and do what you're doing because nobody can do it the way you do it. That was Carmel Pelly, my guest this week on Recover Yourself. Hi, I'm your host, Martin John, and this week we're talking to Carmel Pelly, who produces a wonderful show for and about women in recovery, and she is super passionate about changing the stigmas and ideas of what people have about recovery, um, just as I am. So I'm super excited to have a conversation with her. So here we are. So, Carmel, thank you. Thank you for joining me. You have considerable amount of time. Talk to me about how much time you have. Yeah, for sure. So I'm clean and sober from drugs and alcohol for 14 and a half years. How much do you think about your sobriety now? I know like you work within sobriety because I mean, you work within like your podcast and other things that you do um, are, are, are revolved around that. But how much do you think about your personal sobriety today? Yeah, well, I think that when it comes to say, you know, am I concerned on a daily basis whether I'm going to pick up and use or have a drink? That's just not anything that's in my vicinity of my awareness. Um, you know, and that's evolved over time. I think for myself, you know, it's more about balance these days, balancing life. Uh, I can say that at this point, and, and to back up a li little bit, I had to really put the work in, in the beginning, and it did take a while. So to be where I am today, I'm aware of it, but it's not an issue. Right, right. At what point did you realize or did you wake up to your self-realization that like, oh, this is just my life now versus yeah. like, this is my life. Like I have to be, <laughs> I have to be sober. Like, and my life is in this space of not doing. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is probably... Uh, my stepfather, he has, he likes to joke with me. He's a jokester. And um, I know that he's proud of my sobriety, as is my family, but he likes to offer me a drink all the time to be funny. And definitely in the beginning, I found that really difficult because it brought up those feelings like I was missing out on something and um, it brought anxiety. And so I would have to say that it was probably... Um, the first time that, you know, it was funny and he did his little joke, what can I get you to drink, you know, and I just laughed and it, I had no emotion attached to it. It just didn't bother me. So I think that's probably a defining moment for me. And, and, and so you noticed that when that happened? Oh, for sure. Because I used to walk away just frustrated and um, wondering like, aren't you supposed to be supportive and why would you offer me a drink and you know and uh yeah so there was definitely a significant difference <laughs> so how long did you have at that point do you do you recall you know i would like to say that it was probably around four or five years sober yeah um you know it did take a while because it, it does it takes a while to retrain your brain and so that you don't feel like you're missing out on things and um one of the wonderful things that this sort of story like has is is that you didn't know until it it was there. Yeah. yeah. You know, like like you're walking and you're thinking, oh, I have to be sober. I have to be sober. And then all of a sudden, like you haven't registered that you've changed yet. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Um, it also brings up another memory of kind of back then. Of. You know, I used I, I got used to leaving events events and functions early, and you know that used to bother me too. 
And then it got to a point where it really didn't bother me. I was just grateful that I was going to wake up in the morning and feel fantastic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Waking up, waking up without having to pay your dues for last night is a big, is a big part of sobriety. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing, but do you still leave events early just because you know, you're going to wake up in the morning or. No. Um, at first I didn't go into places or situations that would get me into trouble later on. It just, when I started putting myself back in those situ situations, there was that feeling of, oh, you know, I better leave. Like I'm getting a little mm, antsy around this. And then as I got to know myself better, I got to know who I was, understand my own personal worth. I think that was a huge, huge part of it was understanding my worth, understanding that I had choices. I started to find out that there were other things in life that I really enjoyed doing, that I loved and that I looked forward to. And so for me, sitting in um, an event or a nightclub or that sort of thing just didn't appeal to me anymore. I found it absolutely boring and couldn't relate to the people around me. And, you know, I looked forward to getting home and reading this amazing book. You know, I'm an avid reader. I love to read. You could lose me for <laughs> months, you know, with a book in the bush somewhere, <laughs> 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 you know, and I think that was something, a part of myself that I've always, since I was a child, loved to read. And yeah. somewhere along the way, I felt that there was something wrong with that because I am a natural yeah. introvert. As much as I love to be out and I can be the life of the party and I can be chatty, I'm a natural introvert. And my happy place is being by myself. And somewhere along the way, I, was, I bought into the idea that there was something wrong with that. And that's when I feel that I started to stuff the drugs and alcohol because then it made me be able to stay out and do these activities that I don't, well, I realize now that I don't even enjoy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, what sort of, so, so that's a, because you're still, I mean, it, on, on the, on the surface from, from what I see, like, that's a, like your a lot of your life is still in the role of, I mean, I, I don't want to say they're extroverted, like, but you know, you, you call yourself a, uh, a perfectionist and, and your work does revolve around connecting with other people. Not that that has to be in an extroverted way, but do those still cause, is that, is that still a struggle for you? Um, I've learned to balance it. It becomes a struggle when I don't balance it. So say if I'm recording, um, you know, two or three podcasts in a day, or I'm speaking at an event, then I find it very, very difficult, you know, if I don't get that time for myself to just relax. And I have to say, I mean, I've been very fortunate that I married the most amazing man. And just this past weekend, I was at a three-day conference that was very intense. And it, it required me to, you know, be with a lot of people and he's so smart. He's so amazing. You know, he um, gifted me a night away in a hotel with a spa to just go and be for an entire day and process and come back to my center because this is how smart he know he is. He knows that I'm not going to be a very good wife and mom <laughs> if I don't get that space to myself. And that's wow. just that I've learned about myself in recovery. So 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 to have that sort of a partner that that is like really supportive of you kind of really helps especially when they when they can preemptively fix a problem that hasn't like yet occurred right like yeah. like that's that's awesome um what sort of struggles do you have today 
that although there's still struggles, they don't cause you to struggle. Places where you transfer your addiction and you're aware of it and you're just trying to like oh, just yeah. work your way through it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an ongoing process, right? Most mm -hmm. days are better, but definitely I have to be very careful about the perfection thing. And that is attached to my work. I have, for some reason, I have this drive inside of me. So that can become a problem, right? Because I can be consumed. So I guess it's about, it's a bit of a addiction towards a passion and then right. having perfectionist issues with inside that uh, sometimes it, it is hard to stop once I've started and mm -hmm. when you have a family life you have to stop you can't just sit up for 72 hours and work on a project well thank <laughs> you know, god because... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love doing that <laughs> well maybe, so... maybe you think you love doing that right <laughs> Like, and that's the, and, and that's, and that's what this question is, is about. It's about like, you know, I mean, we've talked about perfection. I was just like, okay, I want to like, this whole thing is not about like, you're done, right? Yeah. Long-term recovery isn't about being finished. It's not about being, being, being done. It's about like doing that work to continue to be a better person and to be, oh, continue sure. to be a better you. And so, um, when I, when you recognize your issues with uh, perfectionism, what does that look like in terms of trying to uh, build balance? <laughs> I'm laughing because it, it's, uh, it definitely can be a, a struggle at times. Uh, you know, the danger with perfectionism is that you can sometimes lean and I can sometimes start to compare my work to other people's work. And unfortunately, uh, so, Something actually a friend of mine recently had said to me, she's like, Carmel, just stay in your own lane, <laughs> right? Focus in your own lane, do what you're doing because nobody can do it the way you do it. And so that builds my worth because a lot of times that perfectionism has, a, it goes hand, uh, worth goes hand in hand with it, right? Oh yeah. That yeah. you're always trying to make it better because you don't think it's good enough, right? But what's the root of that? Well, what is it within me that I'm not feeling all of a sudden like I'm not good enough? Why is that? Is it because, uh, and, and as of recent, you know, with the line of work I'm in, it's a lot of it is new. So I'm learning, there's a learning curve to it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I want to know how to do it all right now. I want to be just great at it right now. I don't want to do the learning curve. What I do to help that is I take a step back and breathe once I'm aware of it. And I, I use my tools. I use my tools that I was taught and are ingrained in me from the 12 step program. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I don't work on my 12 step program, like I used to, it's just there, right? The thought process is there and I'm aware. Okay. I'm aware of it. Hand it over to a power greater than myself. Take a look at it. Um, and that definitely brings in the compassion, like pra just practicing that I'm learning to have more compassion with myself. And I think that's key. Yeah. Like that learning how to how we can love ourselves especially yeah. after all the things that we're carrying right we're carrying quite a bit and and it's about forgiveness and it's about it's about finding our value right and like that's what that's what we're dealing with and we're dealing with this idea of like i have enough value to live my life mm -hmm. and i think and i think that's what recover yourself kind of wants to touch on because we don't when we don't have value we live in fear what um what were some of the things that when you began 
your you know, journey and recovery, what were some of the things that you didn't think were ever going to change? Or what did you think was you? How did you define yourself outside of being an addict or outside of, you know, like using or, or whatever the lifestyle that you were living like that, that had changed and really changed the trajectory of your life? Oh, man. I mean, in the beginning, I mean, I just thought I was going to be bored. I'm like, um, I mean, I was a party girl. I, I don't know. You know, it's hard to remember way back then already. Mm-hmm. I definitely had a lot of false um, worth about myself. And so I carried myself in a different way. Um, I don't know if I was the nicest person. I think inside I always had the best intentions, but my vocabulary and the way I expressed myself was just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it was, um, I was probably pretty, pretty snotty, I think. Um, you know, I valued myself because I was super thin and okay. things like that. Like really And were those things small. were those things that you that you defined yourself as that you were like, yeah. this is who I am and I don't want to change this? <sighs> now know, again, that's a, that's it's a hard question. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. And and I'm asking because it's like when we're early in our sobriety, right? We have these ideas of ourselves that we're like okay, I have, uh, I have these faults and I have these things that, that are bad about me and that's never going to change. Right. Like, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And, and that, that goes along with our values and that goes along with how we see ourselves. And so, so much of that, what ends up happening is they end up changing just like with you, with you and your, I believe it was your stepfather. I'm not sure who was like offering you a drink, right? Like, like, you probably thought you'd always be upset at that. Yeah, I guess we, you know, forgiveness is a huge thing and learning how to forgive and letting go. I mean, that's another huge thing. And uh, I think in the beginning, I had no clue who I was. I know I wanted to be somebody and it depended on who I was standing in front of as to who I was. And now I carried a lot of shame when it came to my family. So in front of my family, I was just, excuse my language, but an effed up mess and going nowhere and mentally unstable. And, you know, just, and so that was a label that I carried on myself when I was involved with my family. And I still have to be careful of that. You know, yes, it's been, um, so it's actually been uh, 17 years since I entered recovery. I relapsed the first time or a few times before I got the to now 14 and a half years. And so um, I had that label, but then in front of some people, I had, I was cool, right? I was a cool person. Everybody wants to be around me. You know, I do the cool things. Uh, I had an amazing ability to manifest things in my life, like, you know, crazy situations and trips and people and do things that like most would just dream of doing. And, um, but unfortunately it was a complete train wreck all along the way. (laughs) (laughs) I looked like I was having fun, but I was not having fun. (laughs) Um, Was that life for you at that point? Was that, was that how you defined life? Life was just something you had to do for other people. I think for me, life was, yeah, for sure. Something that, um, I was just always trying to prove my worth or to just like, I had no clue. And 
I validated myself by how I looked and how much money I had. And I was always, I had to have the nicest house, the nicest clothes, the Louis Vuitton purse, the BMW, that sort of thing. And those are the things that define me. And I, for a very long time, was stuck on that. I felt like I was not worthy unless I had those things. And um, I think that's what recovery and so being sober, you know, that part of knowing my worth is yeah. with letting go of that as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot. Like, we're going pretty deep here, and I think there's a lot in there, you know? Like, yeah, um, no, that's the point. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we're here for. That's what, yeah. that's what I do. I, I dive deep. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it's so cool because it's kind of a gift in a way because now I can see it. I spot it a mile away, right? And I see girls, 20-year-old girls that were in my situation working in the nightclubs and, you know, trying to get as much plastic surgery as they can and carry the best purses and clothing and drive the nicest cars and live in these houses that unfortunately what we don't realize and what I quickly realized is that it's not sustainable in any way. I mean, it's not it, when it comes down to like financially people, young 20 year olds are not going to look like young 20 year olds for the rest of their lives. So whether you are working in a nightclub as a bartender, whether, whatever you're doing, you have a sugar daddy, whatever it is, right. It's not sustainable. Um, so there's a problem. The other thing is that I feel it's, addictive once you start with things like plastic surgery and altering your looks um it never stops you'll never be good enough um it's just like a vacant empty hole that you're just filling and filling and filling and it's so funny because now i mean you know 14 15 years later i'm in this place where i have so much freedom and so much peace and that's what's important like there was no freedom back then there was no peace of mind back then it's very rare that i feel the way i used to feel um and i think that's that's where the power is right that's why we need to start talking about these things which is why i'm grateful that you're having me here today because when we talk about these things it kind of unveils the situation a bit you know mm -hmm. there's too many young girls caught up in that world right now and you know, whether it's prescription drugs or too much alcohol or whatever it is, you know, you're going to have too to much social media. Exactly. I know I get caught up in that sometimes. Like it's the perfect, like I just have to grab my phone and blank out for a while. Right. <laughs> if I want to dissociate. <laughs> right. This is checking out. This is, this is addictive qualities and, and, and it's no, it is no secret that marketers know how to get us addicted mm -hmm. to giving us like little bits of dopamine while <laughs> yeah. we are interacting with their products. And those products are a lot of the products on the market today are touting giving us a better life. And and what they're actually doing is is getting us to check out of our life. And that's why like this converse, this sort of conversation is like, no, it's not easy to recover yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Oh man. And it starts young now. I have a three-year-old little boy who just in the past couple of weeks, I don't know if it's the brain development or where he's at all of a sudden he'll, he's like, I want to be on your computer. <laughs> right. He's like, I want to play because he wants to go on YouTube and they have like, there's this program on there with over 20 million 
people viewing this and hits that literally has a little boy his age playing with brand new toys, taking them out of the boxes. And he's like, I want that. I want that. And I'm like, holy mm -hmm. smokes, right? New perspective. <laughs> yeah. The world is so, I don't want to say greedy, but, but, but yeah, that's a, that's a good word for yeah. it. <laughs> you know, that, that, that our safety and our, and our ability to, uh, we don't, you know, meditation, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk about meditation. Do you have a meditation practice? I do. Yes. All right. Hi. I, have a, I have a very strong meditation practice, meditation and prayer. Wonderful. Like, I, I know you said like once a week you go on a walking. Well, so I practice daily. That is one of the very first things I do when I wake up. Beautiful. And then uh, two days a week I attend. It's um, like a walking prayer and meditation type situation where it's, it's done in a, uh, in a spiritual space. And so the energy is quite intense and my higher power is God. Um, God is my number one. I don't do anything without my day. The first thing I do when I open my eyes is invite the Holy spirit in and invite yeah. God to be a part of my day, to be covered by my children, my husband. And that, that is the most important thing. I've learned over time that without that connection, there is nothing for me in life. Mm -hmm. And it's only become something that's stronger. And I feel like as we were just speaking about, you know, the addiction to society and electronics and social media and whatnot, and don't get me wrong, I, I get caught up in it all the time, right? Yeah, I have to me take too. a step back a lot. The yeah. awareness that you're getting caught up in it is the, is the blessing. Yes, exactly. And the more time I spend in that space, in prayer and meditation, the more peace I have, the better decisions I can make, the better my mm -hmm. day is. Yeah. Um, it's not self-led no more. It's spirit-led. And I think that's really what they're teaching in the 12-step program. Uh, I think that the 12-step program, it, it kind of makes me laugh because it's a real introduction to spirituality. It's like I'm hopeless and I'm dying and I might go to jail and all these things. And they're like, well, here, here's the big book. And this is what you need to do. You need to surrender and um, submit to a power greater than yourself, right? Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, right? This many years later, it's like you kind of get, yeah, it, it kind of comes full circle and you're like, oh. <laughs> so right. all along, this is what was really going on. <laughs> well, right. Um, and, and, you know, again, the 12 steps like predate the 12 step recovery program but but it and again it is a spiritual journey and that's mm -hmm. why it's really important for us who have long you know a lot of time to 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 show that our life isn't revolving around recovery mm -hmm. recovery is just something that happens to be what we're doing right like yeah. It just happens to be, it's not, it's not sobriety. We're not drink. We're not, not drinking. We are moving forward towards a life that we want, which is what we thought we were doing, but we were actually running from. <laughs> yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you there. I mean, it is pretty funny that you, most of us end up in these types of programs by accident and we don't really want to be there. And we think, I know for sure for myself that when I started going, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get this so I can get out, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Little did I realize what was actually happening and that I was rewiring my brain. I was learning to uh, love myself. I was learning how to live, right? All the, I was learning to get life skills. Right. You know, 
I don't think I had any life skills at that point in my life. I mean, I had a child, you know, I have a 20 year old son today and I mm. had a child and I think back and I'm like, well, it's a miracle he's alive because holy smokes, the lack of life skills that I had, I loved him dearly and I did my best, but, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's 20, 17 years ago, you started, yeah. so you started a process 14 years ago, you solidified it. Like I can do the math on that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. He's, he's grown up in the program. Right. Him. Yeah. 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 Um, Which I, mean, I have to say is he's turned into one of the most uh, honest, amazing, you know, young men. He's just incredible. And so I, I thank the 12 step program for that. Right. Like, and your yeah. program and my program thank you yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah because because yeah. 12 steps was, was tw the 12 steps helped you you helped him mm -hmm. you know like and that's the and that's the thing that that and and again that's that's not raising a child in fear right like that is yeah. raising a child and and you know like the fear is where a lot of this started when you were slipping up and da 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 but but he watched you change yeah. willingly and he and he learned from that and that's where like he's 20 now over the last 14 years which is a considerable amount of time for a you know it's almost three quarters of a of a child of his life like he watched you solidify your recovery and give in to what was in front of you and 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 let go and and grow and mm -hmm. and be you there's yeah. no prescription. There's no, there's no definition of who you are. You are Carmel. <laughs> right. And that makes, and that made it easy for him to be, what's his name? Austin. Is Austin. Name. And that's what made him, that's what made it possible for him to be Austin. Right. Yes. yes. So and he, and he walks in freedom, right? He's learned a different way to live. So. Right. And he's not, and, and so he is already like, he's learning like the, 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 little things about recovering himself because of course as children we have to give up a little bit to make others happy mm -hmm. but you and i through our addictions we we're trying to make too many people happy except ourselves that's <laughs> yeah. where we had that's where we had value issues now who's got our value we do or we're working towards that right we're yeah. working yeah. towards building that value how do you define addiction oh my gosh uh, I define addiction as, you know, whether it's a behavior, a substance, um, whatever it is that makes your life unmanageable. Simple. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, and you yeah, can't that's stop. A, that's a, that's, that's, that's <laughs> along, that's along the 12 step lines. We, 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 we like that. Um, yeah. um, has that definition changed over the years for you? Of addiction? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I mean, Going back to the 12 step program, I was in a hopeless state, unmanageable state. Yeah. And as a result of working the steps and living my life, I'm in, I, I live a life of freedom and peace and yeah, I feel very lucky, you know, I have a lot of gratitude. Wonderful. For that. Yeah. And I just want to kind of wrap all that up with, um, and I know we've already talked like about like the perfectionism and stuff and, and what have you, how, how do you see that changing over the next couple of years as you as you continue down this path of to discover and, and build your life and yourself? Oh, man, I feel like I'm ever evolving. I mean, mm. you know, things just get better and better. And 
every time I think I have something mastered or I have uh, overcome something, you know, another piece pops up and is like, oh, hey, you know, might be a little of this to work on. And so I feel like with the perfectionist part of it, um, I'm definitely deep into the recovery part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something that is not, it's not something that's unmanageable. Right. Well, I mean, and you're talking about it very openly. And so like, oh, yeah. I know you're working on that and I just wanted to bring it up. Are there other things that, that you're getting an inkling in your life that it's like, uh oh, maybe this is as well, like social media or something else like that things that things that you're starting to be like, you know what, maybe I'm doing this too much. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, not exercising. That's my... <laughs> not <laughs> exercising. <laughs> I would say that's like number one on my brain right now that okay. I, need to, I need to get that going. And, you know, I think that it feels good sometimes to, to sit in the shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's not doing me any good. And so that's, I think the next battle for me on this journey is to, uh, I'm very healthy. I'm very aware of what I put on, put in my body. Um, I'm definitely pretty much 80% plant-based. Uh, absolutely love health in that. But for some reason, I'm just not moving. And I'm going to blame it on this winter we've had here in Canada. <laughs> you need somebody to blame it on. <laughs> so at this point, I'm going to say that's the that's the... That's why, but it okay. is easier to just not feel good sometimes. Well, yeah. right. Yeah. It's easy to not feel good. It's easy to blame. It's easy to put all that stuff out, but ultimately it's on you. And, and, yeah. and, and it's nice that, because that's like when it starts to be a thought, it's aligning you, right? Cause you have a, a spiritual body and you have an emotional body and you have like that physical body and, and all of those need, they, they want to line up, which means that the things you put in your body are going to be healthy. The things you put in your mind are going to be healthy. And then what you do is going to be healthy. And as, and you can't just do all three, but you do two and the third will catch up. And that's where like the exercise is coming in now where the exercise is like now, now I'm going to become a, a little, a little, a little just until you, until, until you do it, you know? And then once you start doing it, it'll be, you know, like you'll have to prove that you're there. And then, and then it'll be, and then it'll just be like, oh my God, I love waking up and exercising every day. Yeah. Like, you well, know. I find it funny because uh, that was definitely, exercise was a big part of my recovery. Like um, I was, I was a figure skater as a child and gymnastics and a ballet dancer. And I competed as a figure skater till I was 16 years old. And so I was always very athletic and it was something I always carried on. And then when I started writing books, and um, had my last baby. That's when the exercise thing just kind of, you know, it was like, I want to write. I'd rather be writing than exercising. Mm-hmm. And I kind of lost the balance of it. And it got to the point where it was like, wow, I mean, I need to move my body. It doesn't matter how many more vitamins I stick in. If I don't, bite, if I don't move my body, I'm not going to feel any better. But it just, it was like, it's that time too, you know? Um, I wanted to spend my time writing and connecting and so that's what i did and now yeah. i gotta figure out that now i gotta figure out how to balance that part right and as that as that as that uh thought comes you you, re- you you're aware enough to recognize it not be afraid of it because a lot of times people will have a thought and 
and like push it out. But because we, you know, because we're, you know, the lucky ones, right? Like from yeah. recovery or whatnot, like we can recognize that thought and be like, oh, I need a change. And it's not a judgment. It yeah. is just. It's, an, it's just annoying. Now right. Just, <laughs> damn it. Can like somebody just do it for me? <laughs> right. It's like starting physically is not going to be an easy part, but it's yeah. essential. Yes. Especially living somewhere where it's minus 20, minus 30, and there's so many feet of snow the right. majority of the year. It's not like I can just go walk around the block, right? Like, right. I have to put the effort in. So, yeah. Well, it's a sunny day today, so I hope you get, <laughs> I hope you get a nice little walk in. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, right. maybe, next, maybe next time we connect, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be on the exercise train. I don't know. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Carmel, thank you so much for joining me for this. I really appreciate um, you taking the time and sharing so much with us. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. This has been this has been a lot of fun, and I enjoy you know there's power in t sharing our stories. So thank you yeah. for giving me the opportunity to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Recover Yourself podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Martin John. And if you're interested in finding out more about Carmel, you can find links to all the things she's working on in the description of this program. Until next week, keep recovering yourself.